Hey guys, hope all is well. Today we will be doing podcast number 10 with special guest, Coach Martin Stewart from Oregon State Men's Basketball. So Martin, why don't you give us some background about yourself? I started as a um, uh, student manager at Washington State, uh, and did video there, um, and then got my first job out of college as a video coordinator at, at Cal. Um, from there, had a similar role at, at the University of Virginia. And then uh, went as a director of basketball operations at Montana and then was elevated uh, to an assistant coach there um, and then got a job as an assistant coach at Hawaii uh, and then actually took a job as the director of basketball operations here at Oregon State and then was elevated to uh, the assistant coach position here uh, two years ago. Um, and then, yeah, and then this past season was my, my third year here, but second as an assistant. That's awesome. And like, yeah, like you touched on like the steps you took to where you get to where you are today. And like, what got you into being like, being a man, being a manager, and then like, having a career in basketball? Like, what were those steps like? Um, so as a student, I, uh, I played basketball in high school. And then when I got to college, I you know, I missed the game and, and it was a way to stay around the game. And there's a guy named Mike Burns who um, who's now an assistant coach at Boise State. Um, I was a, a ball boy for him in elementary school when he was a community college coach in the Seattle area. Um, he had gotten on as an assistant at Washington State. And so he kind of helped me get involved, um, you know, and then while working there. Uh, a guy named Ron Sanchez was the uh, director of basketball operations, and, and he really helped me kind of learn learn the ropes of college basketball and, and you know, kind of taught me how to work within this business and how to work hard and kind of the long-term goals and things like that. And it really opened my eyes to, um, you know, what a career in basketball could look like. Uh, and obviously, he's gone on to do great things. He's now the head coach at Charlotte. And, um, you know, so from there, that was really kind of how I got started and why I got started uh, as a manager at, at Washington State. Yeah, so, like, you brought up long-term goals. Like, what was, like, when you were at Washington State, like, what was your, like, long-term goal? Like, what was, like, your, like, dream job? Um, and I say long-term, I, uh, you know, at that time, it was more just finding a job in college basketball. Um, and even since then, I haven't really looked that far ahead. Um, you know, I think the more I do this, the more I realize it's kind of just doing your job every day and trying to trying to make the place that you're at as good as it can be and, and serve your role there. Uh, and really, that was that was the biggest thing I'd say. That was probably the furthest I looked ahead uh, from there. And I, there was a certain point kind of when I was doing video and I felt like I got really good at it that, um, you know, I started to look at, all right, you know, now uh, I think I'm ready to become an assistant whenever the opportunity would come. But it's not like I would look ahead to those things. I just felt like I was ready for it. And so um, I know it sounds weird to not not set long-term goals or have goals, but it wasn't like it was like, all right, I need to do this and get to this certain point. It was more, you know, do my job every day, but I felt like I was prepared to take the next step whenever that door opened. Yeah, like, be, like being at Washington State and like being under Coach Tony Bennett there, like what was your relationship like with him? Um, at first, 
um, his dad was actually the head coach, uh, Dick Bennett. And then, um, he took over and they were great. You know, I think that, that plays a huge role in, um, in why I'm at where I'm at today. Just the example that they said, it was a, it was a great first environment in college basketball, just as far as, you know, I think they made everybody feel like, like they were an important part of the program, whether you were doing laundry, wiping up sweat or, or the guys who were making the shots or the guys who were coaching the team, you know, everybody felt their, their value and they really made you, um, you know, understand that what you're doing was important. Um, you know, and it's, you know, it's great because you're not everywhere. Everybody learns all the managers names or, or, um, you know, takes care of them or has them over for dinner. And they did a, a fantastic job of really making you feel involved and like you were a part of the deal. Um, cause I, I really do feel like they believed that every person in the program was a, an important piece uh, of the deal. Um, uh, so that their role and where I'm at today is, is enormous. That's awesome. I love that like family culture, how like they include everyone, doesn't matter who you are in the program. And like you and managers, like they include you, like they remembered your name. That's awesome. And like, what were the specific responsibilities you did as a student, as a student manager? And what was that process like trying to be one like your freshman year? Uh, when I first got there, the team actually wasn't, wasn't, wasn't great. And so there wasn't a whole lot of, I just kind of, we, we, I knew Mike Burns. And so I was able to kind of just go in there and start working, um, you know, and at that time it was really just whenever anybody needed someone to rebound, I was there, you know, during practice, someone falls over, you go wipe up the sweat, you rebound and pass and, and hit people with the pad. And, um, you know, we, over time, you know, there were, there really wasn't video coordinators that really wasn't a paid position anywhere at the time. Um, and so as things evolved from VHS tapes to DVDs to, you know, everything on, on the laptops, um, you know, it was an opportunity as I kind of got older there to really be a video coordinator, you know, on top of all those other duties. Um, and that really paid huge dividends for me down the road. Um, you know, so the role is really kind of to do whatever needed to be done. Um, you know, whether it was, um, running to grab a coach's car from a dealership, you know, wiping up sweat when guys fell over laundry, um, you know, giving a ride, a guy a ride to go get stuff from the store, you know, really whatever needed to be done, licking, you know, 500 stamps for stuff to be mailed out. Uh, you know, whatever needed to be done, you did it. And then the beauty was over time, the more you did those little things, the bigger responsibilities you got. And the staffs were so small at the time that, um, you really got, got some important responsibilities by the time you were done as just, you know, a volunteer. Um, so no, that, that was really a irreplaceable experience. Yeah, that's, an, that's awesome. Like what was your favorite memory of being a manager at Wazoo? Man, there are actually so many, so many good ones. Um, you know, I mean, obviously some of the the games were fantastic because we, we, we really turned a corner in, and accomplished things that hadn't ever been done there. So just being able to be kind of present, you know, and in the locker room and on the road trips for that stuff was great. But really the best part of it was uh, the experiences with the other managers. You know, we had like a manager's locker room. Um, you know, and so just kind of every day, you know, I think players had their own kind of locker room environment and, and all that, where they, 
you know, those, those times are the irreplaceable times where you're just spending time with each other. Uh, and I think those times as managers where you're, <laughs> you're up all night, you know, at the time you can record games, you had to actually record them in real time. So it would take, you know, two hours. So just the times kind of sitting up in the office or in the manager room with each other, um, you know, working into the middle of the night. I think those times were probably the things, you know, cause you end up laughing. It's almost like when you're at a sleepover when you're younger and you kind of get delirious when you're alone, you're a kid, there was a lot of nights like that where you're just working late and you just kind of have each other to kind of stay motivated and stay present. And you're, you're getting really tired, but fighting through the, the fatigue of the everyday um, unpaid work you're doing um, you know, that really creates a passion level for it, just the camaraderie. Um, so those times were probably the things I'll remember the most forever. That's awesome. Like the manager family, like that's really cool. How you guys like hung out together a lot, like did like, stayed up late like that's amazing and like when you're bringing up like starting your video coordinating like at wazoo like like how did that help you like with like with being in like how you be like all those places you were later at like what like take me back to the moment where you jumped where that was like the jump start moment like that spark where like your strong suit will be being a video coordinator like being as good as that as like the other things like helping out with workouts and like other stuff of being a manager um there was sports tech had just kind of started so it started actually in australia or new zealand as i um with um with rugby and they were trying to expand it to different countries and when it came to the u.s a guy at the university of portland who was an assistant coach kind of took the reins and actually got out of basketball so when it came to the U.S., it really came here and was college basketball was the primary sport. You know, I went to Europe and it was for actually English Premier League soccer, like the first, I think, league to really pick it up. So when it came here, um, it was the biggest thing in basketball. And um, and we were one of the first schools to get it in the first couple of years. And uh, and by the time I got done with college, there was a conference in the Bay Area and it was a handful of people, maybe 15 people. Um, and when we went down there, I kind of realized like, shoot, I'm actually as good with this stuff as anybody in America because <laughs> there weren't as many people using it, but everybody was starting to buy it. Even NBA teams were starting to pick it up. And, uh, and so by the time I left college, I really felt like I could, I could use that product um, better than anyone to the point where I felt like I, you know, I was actually looking at potentially going to work for sports tech. Um, and so it really helped my confidence level in my first job. Um, but part of it had to do with, you know, I think the coaches, coach Bennett and his staff, um, giving me a ton of responsibility and just kind of let me run with projects and stuff. Um, you know, and then when stuff wasn't up to snuff, they, they would let me know and I would fix it and, and it just helped me get better and better every day to where when I left Washington state, I felt like, um, there wasn't anybody that could do it as well as I could. Uh, and that just the confidence in that kind of gave me confidence in everything else. Cause you know, as a manager, it's um, you're used to just kind of being the quiet person in the back of the room who's there to do whatever. But as you kind of go out into the, um, you start working and getting, getting paid to do stuff, you got to be a little more assertive. And so that definitely helped uh, when I first started. Yeah. You said like, you had to do some projects. Like what were those projects? specifically 
Um, a lot of recruiters, like when a recruit would come into town, you know, um, like tapes for them. And, um, you know, I would do a highlight tape every year. And <laughs> I mean, one year I made like a 16 minute, like movie almost. And I would just kind of get creative with it and, uh, and really try to do, you know, make the best possible thing that I could. But it was everything from recruiting videos to um, all the scouts for the opposing teams, you know, I would organize all those. And, you know, it got to the point where as a student, they would kind of ask my opinion on, you know, just little stuff like personnel clips, which ones do you think we should use? And, um, you know, just the, the having the coaches ask, and I know that they're partially doing it just to help me develop and learn. Um, that really, really helped. But um, no, it was pretty much anything you could think of with video I would do. And then, you know, the biggest one was, you know, there was no synergy or anything so you know from january on really like mid-december on i would uh you know wake up every two hours all through like every single night and just record games from my dvr to vhs tapes and then i had an extra room in my apartment that had you know hundreds of vhs tapes and then i had an excel sheet that would match it where you know if, if all of a sudden you get to the tournament i think we played winthrop so you type in winthrop and it would say like, you know, D 47 and I'd go to the fourth row D down 47 tapes and boom, there was the Winthrop game and um, you record it in there. So just, you know, being relied upon for things like shoot selection Sunday, knowing that I have to have the fifth, it was on TV, I had to have it and, uh, you know, getting responsibility like that uh, was, was really valuable, you know, because if I messed that up, then, you know, that's, that's an extra day we couldn't prepare for an NCAA tournament game. Uh, so no, all those projects, and like every little thing had different, uh, different sets of responsibilities, but getting important stuff like that for recruiting and game preparation as a student manager was awesome. Yeah. And like, then like you took the jobs out like Cal and UVA and like, what were things you learned from those two locations with like video and tech? Um, for Cal, you know, it was actually pretty cool to be in the Bay Area because the technology piece and I, I didn't know a ton about it. I just knew it as far as that program, but, you know, being around all the, the, the people who are great with technology in the Bay Area, um, I think a lot of the stuff I learned now is probably outdated, but just some of the state of the art kind of electronic things like we got a server and the ability to, to, to have people use a VPN and remotely access it and drag stuff in at home because we were all spread out. And, um, you know, even at, at Virginia, um, starting, you know, before I took the ops job and, and stopped doing video, uh, the women's basketball video person was really, I mean, he could write code and stuff. So I was starting to learn how to write code to set up these code windows where um, it could spit out information during a game and, having the split screen to where, you know, some coaches liked um, the TV copy, some liked the, um, the camera copy that I would film on with the, the score overlay on it. And some like both. Well, I figured out, you know, figuring out a way to have it. So you've got both and you can set up a shortcut with your keyboard and flip back and forth between the angles and then time up the game perfectly with the timeouts, you know, all those little things to really perfect your job to a level that's almost unnecessary. Uh, it was, you know, I've kind of developed a passion for it, but part of it was, you know, they gave me enough responsibility early where I kind of had success and felt good about myself doing it to where I was hungry to learn more of that kind of stuff. 
That's great. And like one point, um, one point, like you said, was like that transition to being the director of ops. Like, what was that transition like being the director of ops at Montana? Uh, the biggest thing was probably going from a high major to a low major. Um, and so, you know, the, the responsibilities were a, a bit different than, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was similar, but, um, you know, you get into that role and all of a sudden you're balancing budgets and the budget's a lot different and you're doing travel where, you know, I used to, I used to help out with travel and get some meals and things, but you're really planning the entire deal. Um, you know, and then the anxiety of just everything while you're actually traveling, um, yeah, you know, it's just, it was, it was a lot of things that I'd helped with, but never really been in charge of, um, you know, but I think all the experiences as a manager prepared me for it to where it was, there was a lot of, it was just adjusting to the level and the amount of money you have, um, because I was familiar with it all because, uh, you know, guys like Ronnie Weidman, who's at Virginia now did a great job of, of kind of giving other guys responsibility and delegating and, uh, holding people accountable to where it, it really prepared me to do that. Uh, so I'm definitely thankful for, you know, like him and Ron Sanchez and just having me ready for that. Yeah. And like, that's great. Like how you, like you were able to apply like what you learned as a manager at Wazoo and like apply that to your directive ops position, like those, like that operation side of basketball and like, like, what was that transition like, again, like being a director of ops to now, to, to then at Montana being an assistant coach? Uh, the, I'd say the biggest thing there was the recruiting piece because you've always kind of helped out with it. But, but actually getting, um, getting on the phone and, you know, navigating multiple conversations to have someone feel like Montana is a place that they should be. Um, you know, it's, you got to kind of find yourself in your ability to do it. And, uh, you know, ultimately what you end up finding out is you just got to be yourself and be honest. Uh, but that takes time in figuring out, you know, having the confidence to do that. And, and so that was the, that was the biggest adjustment. And then the other piece is, you know, you, as a, you interact with the guys as the ops guy, the video guy and you, but, but to be on the court and actually, you know, find your voice there, um, takes time, you know, and having been, I think I was in basketball for about a decade before that happened. Um, it's very different, you know, and so those were probably the two biggest things. Uh, but the nice thing at that level was, you, you know, there's not as big a staff. And so you still have to do a lot of the operation stuff and the video stuff. So you still have, have value. Um, so even while you're kind of struggling to find yourself in those areas, um, you know, you know, you're, you're contributing to the program in other ways to where, uh, you know, it, it, it's helpful. Whereas if you were just doing recruiting and coaching and it was a little more specific on those and you're struggling with it, um, you wouldn't have the, the other stuff. I mean, I you know, I really got to, I got to figure this out now or else I'm not helping the program. I'm hurting it. Um, but at least I knew I was still able to handle some op stuff and help the program out. Yeah, and, th and then afterwards you went to Hawaii. Like, what was that experience like going from Montana to Hawaii? And what were things you took from that experience? Um, it was definitely, it was warmer for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, other than that, 
you know, I, the responsibility with the defense that Coach Gannat gave me, um, you know, he really empowers his assistants in a way that's really unique. Uh, and that really helped me grow as a coach. Uh, he's incredible with his game preparation and, uh, and his scouting reports. And so that really changed the way that I looked about looked at going about preparing for opponents, um, you know, and then um, the in-game stuff, he really relied heavily on us for, you know, we, we all, one had the offense, one had the defense, one had the rebounding, um, you know, and, and he really gave you the keys to it, to those things. And, uh, you know, that was an experience that I can't replace anywhere else. Uh, you know, it's that I'm, I'm extremely thankful for that. Uh, because it's helped me even here at Oregon State, just uh, being able to have a, a new process and preparing for a basketball game that I would have never, never figured out on my own had I not gone gone to Hawaii and, and learned from Coach Gannad and had him kind of guide me through all that. That's so cool. And like now, like now you're at Oregon State. Like, what was it like, like when you got hired to Oregon State, like that first year, and then like moving up to be an assistant coach for a power five conference team? Uh, it was great. It was, it was kind of the opposite of moving from office to assistant where, you know, you're trying to find your voice there. This one, it was like, I was trying to silence my voice because you're not allowed to coach at all. Um, and so getting used to being at practice and not being able to say anything was a, an adjustment there. But, um, you know, all the other pieces working for coach Tinkle was, it was incredible. Um, you know, he's just such an incredible husband, father, basketball coach, great example um, of, of who I'd like to develop into as a man as I get older. Uh, and so that part of it was great, you know, just learning from him in all facets, facets of the game and, and life, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, getting back to doing some of the odd things that I did at Montana, but to do it at this level, you know, at, at the, the high major level was, was great experience. Um, and now to have two things to compare it to. And, um, you know, I think that's important as you kind of develop to get those a multitude of experiences and being an ops guy at two different levels is really, it's almost two different jobs, you know, um, and the only way to really, really truly know that is to experience them both. So um, it was huge to be able to go back and do that before, before I transitioned back to, to the assistant spot. Yeah, so like this, like now it's fast forward to this season and like what was like for this season, like you guys made an incredible run to the Elite Eight and congratulations on that. And what was the turning point for you guys in this season where you guys, there was a point where you guys it was either you guys made to March Madness just didn't even make didn't even make it. It's like take us back to that turning point where you guys knew like you guys had a real shot at getting to this tournament. Um, I think it actually all started a little earlier. I think it was still February. I think it was like early February. We played Arizona and they beat us by about thirty-five. And in the last four or five minutes, we had two seniors that just kept playing like like it was you know like we could still win the game um and they just kept fighting and scrapping um until the very end and you know the next day as a staff we sat down for about seven hours in a room and just tried to figure out how we could simplify things and and give the guys a a, a message and a, a kind of a pathway and a blueprint 
to have success, whether that meant winning or losing, just to to play good basketball, uh, you know, and and we simplified it to just playing together, playing harder than your opponent and enjoying each other. And, uh, you know, we said, if you guys do those things, we'll simplify the game plan and let you guys just kind of play within what we, you know, we've got enough of our stuff in. You guys know what to do and just try to do those three things, enjoy each other, play harder than your opponent and play together. Uh, you know, and it'll, we'll have success, but we don't know if it'll result in wins and losses. Well, two days later we went, and we beat uh, Arizona State on like an at the buzzer dunk. Got a dunk with like one second left, uh, you know. And then from that point, I think the guys really started believing, and it kind of built on it on itself uh, to where I think we had like seven games. We had six different leading scorers. We won nine games away from home in a row, uh, you know. And by the time that stuff started building, and we got to the conference tournament. You know, I think every year everyone says, like, it's anybody's tournament. Anyone can win this thing, you know. But when we were talking to the guys, it was like, you know, like, we actually can. This isn't just like, hey, we're trying to hype you up. We can actually win this thing. Um, we actually can beat every team in this league. Um, and we should go into every game expecting to. You know, we're good enough to do it. And, um, and so we really just it, it came to the point where no one really cared who got the individual accolades. Everybody was literally just playing hard playing together and enjoying each other. And uh, so when, I, when we're down 16 to UCLA, you know, we have kids come at a timeout and we didn't have to get them going. They were saying, you know, hey, we, we got more heart. We're more together than anybody. Let's just keep fighting possession by possession. We'll get this thing. And they truly believed it. And it wasn't just them saying it. They actually believed it and they believed in each other. Uh, you know, so once we saw that, we knew we had a chance to win every game. Uh, it was just a matter of the ball's got to bounce your way a little bit in March. And, and fortunately a couple of times when we needed it to do, it did. And um, then when we got the elite eight, uh, we needed one of their shots to, to bounce out and it didn't. <laughs> and so came to an end, but um, really that Arizona game was the turning point. Yeah. Like that Arizona game, like we've talked about that prior to doing this podcast. So like, that's such a cool story. Like how you guys lost that game by a lot. And then like you guys, came back furious in like the next few games and then like made it to NCAA, NCAA tournament. That's amazing. That's amazing. And like, what was the experience like being in the bubble in Indianapolis? Um, I think it may have been different for everyone. We had a, we had an awesome time in the bubble, you know, uh, I think all the things that I kind of spoke about in how we had our success, you could see it. I mean, you're, you know, basically you know we win they put us on a plane first thing in the morning and then we go in and we quarantine and you're kind of stuck in a hallway with the same group of guys for i think we were there for, i don't know three weeks and you know the week before we'd already been stuck in a hallway together but um in vegas for the conference tournament but you kind of saw everyone in there and you know there's some teams where it's kind of you know guys were in there and having fun and this and that but they're you know, kind of groups of people on each team or they, they weren't as together. Whereas, you know, we would look down the hallway and our guys' doors were always open. They're going, you know, after the quarantine and they're allowed to move around. They're going in and out of each other's rooms, hanging out, talking, having a good time, you know, and the staff was doing the same thing to where you kind of look through and there was just a great atmosphere uh, and kind of a brotherhood within the hallway uh, versus kind of walking around, seeing some of the other teams that were kind of in clicks and fractions or fractured a little bit because uh, it was a long year for everyone. Uh, 
you know, so for us, well, we had such an awesome time in there and it's something that'll probably, hopefully there's no more global pandemic. So hopefully we never have to do that again, but I, it, we all kind of came out of there saying, man, I wish the tournament was like this every year. Um, Cause we had such a good time together. And I think that played into our success, honestly. Uh, you know, cause it was, I mean, that's, we, we were, we were built for, built for how that was. Um, cause it wasn't, like an experience anyone had before. So even teams that had been to the tournament, they were in uncharted territories. And, um, you know, for us, we were, we were totally prepared for that. Uh, so yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Aside from no barbers and not getting my hair cut, it was great. Yeah. It sounds like you guys had an amazing team bonding experience, like being able to come together as a team, like being like we're in this bubble for as long as we keep winning. And like, yeah, it's, like just really cool. It's like a once in a lifetime experience unless another pandemic happens again like this one. So talking about pandemics, like what things have you learned about the game of basketball and the coaching business during the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, I think the biggest thing is that as coaches were capable of more, you know, I think just getting involved with, you know, things like this last year, um, getting, getting people to vote, um, you know, teaching players a little bit more about saving money and, and just some of the life skills. Um, you know, now that we're kind of getting back to full swing, I probably got to scale back on some of the things. So I felt like I was capable of more, but then probably not as capable as much as I signed up for. Um, so kind of balancing that out, but definitely more than I was doing before uh, as far as just, you know, things outside of basketball. And it's not like we weren't doing anything, but I think there's so many things that you can help guys prepare for life with. Uh, whether it's saving money, understanding retirement accounts, the process of buying a house, credit, uh, voting, um, just all those little things that you realize that they don't pick up necessarily in school, um, but are so important to their lives. Um, if they're not going to learn it in the classroom, then, you know, there's no reason we can't take that responsibility on uh, and help them out with it. And so I think those, those kind of things are the biggest things I learned. And, you know, obviously grew as a basketball coach and did a lot of conferences, but I think those are kind of the life skills for the players and the things where they can really impact their lives, their families' lives, their communities. Um, you know, just helping more in that that realm is probably what I picked up the most. Yeah, like during COVID, it's like life is bigger than basketball. And like that was just really the important thing, like giving back to the community and like doing things that you usually wouldn't do facing adversity. And like now with recruiting coming back, like to in-person and the dead period ending. So like what transitions did you have to make? Like now everything's shifting back to in-person, like what I said before recruiting. It's like, what has that, what has these past few days in the future been will be yeah what has these past few days been like for you and like the future like through recruiting the next few days and months uh a little bit overwhelming because you're kind of balancing all this stuff and it you knew june was coming but it kind of hit quickly and so you know i think you know the, the few hours you'd have to still continue to get things done where you may have a an hour zoom call you know now you're you're taking people around campus for a few hours and hanging out um, and so there's just, you know, it takes more hours. Um, and so you kind of finding the balance between the things that you picked up doing, 
um, and added to your plate and then all the stuff that's coming back, you know, it'll be an adjustment. Um, but it'll be nice to get back out on the road and actually be able to evaluate um, the players in person. Uh, but I think it'll be nice for, for the, especially the high school players. You know, I think it was tough on these last two classes uh, recruiting wise. And so I think it will be great for them to be able to physically see campus and for us to physically see them in person and help, help them make better life decisions heading into college, hopefully. Yeah. And like the, yeah, yeah. Those two classes, like they couldn't really get that much time, like being on campus and like being at the games in person, like it was tough for that to happen. And, and like, as things get back to normal, like now the kids, we have the recruits will start being able to come to campus more like being able to, when the season get, when the season starts, hopefully everyone will be back at full capacity, the crowds and the recruits can see what the atmosphere is like in the arenas. And like, I wish you and your program the best of luck through recruiting the summer and, and with the season. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast and taking your time to do this. And thank you for everyone who's list, who will listen to this podcast for taking your time to do it. And thank you, thank you so much again. And have a great night.